Welcome to Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcast, your weekly dose of many discussions and opinions, a show where we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And remember, no topic is off limits. Now let's talk about it. Thank you so much. And I'm really drinking appreciate- tea because my voice is coming back. No, I definitely, I definitely understand. I suffered suffered so much. Like, I don't know how singers do it or like full-time podcasters or like TV hosts. Um, If something goes wrong with their voice, I just don't know. I feel like their career is over. It's like, well, what do you do? That's exactly (laughs) how I feel. Like, I've only been like this for a month and this is not like my only, you know, career path. But um, it's been like a challenge, even with what I do um, at my job. So it like the yeah. whole not having a voice just like really um, it, it, it made me take a hit. Um, so it's been a learning experience, this whole thing. Um, but here we are. So welcome back, everyone, to another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk a podcast. I am your host, Misty. And today I am very excited uh, to have this guest on today's episode. Um because straight off from the opening, let's just say it double does raw talk, raw, raw, raw talk. Um, if you've been a loyal listener, but if you are a new listener on this platform, we always get comfortable being uncomfortable and no topic is ever off limits. And today we have an author here with us, um, someone who has um, reached out and thank God she did um, because she shared her book her gems coming out real soon right it's like a couple of days well by the time this yeah. airs it's i believe it's the, time, next day, it, it, it's the next day that your book is releasing so yes i'm excited for that um but most importantly it's it's the concept that we bring to this platform and and so i'm just so happy that that's exactly who this guest is um so i'm going to open the the mic for my guest to introduce herself and introduce the book that we are definitely going to reference today um you know because it wouldn't be raw talk if we didn't um cuz your your favorite host definitely read it and um we're going to dive right in so to my dear guest welcome and please introduce yourself Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for allowing me on the platform and to be a, um, you know, a talker for my book. I'm author Mariana Garola. Um, I'm born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona. You know, I'm a native here and uh, my book that is coming out February 5th, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. on standard, 8 p.m. Eastern time is a letter to the younger me. Thank you. I'm super excited. I love it. So, okay, off the bat, right? Before we dive into our segments and, you know, my traditional raw mess of the week, which I'll tell you what that's about, right? Ooh, I'm uh, excited. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to say that, for one, I think the idea to write a letter to a younger version of you who once was and lived, um, and you're able to retell a story about that, it's just so amazing because we talk so much in life. I know I have recently. I've gone to conferences of self-mastery, of manifestations, so much that has helped me, right? I want to say in at least the last year and a half to two years. And one of the things we always hear people talk about is tapping into younger you, tapping into mm-hmm. that, that person that once was, you know. Yes. I just um, finished my final session with my food and health coach and so much was discovered just in that journey. But one of the things she would always tell me is, I need you to talk to Deisita, you know, the younger you, you know? Yeah. And we don't realize how important that is to go back to that person. We don't realize how important it is that once you start seeing a lot of things that are surfacing and resurfacing, the older we get and the more we experience in life, just how important it is to tap into that younger you and be able to go back to who that person was and and be able to talk to that person. And I think that's where your book has truly set a tone for me um, when I read it because it's like, How often do we do that? We don't. I'm 36 years old and only now, now in like the recent years, couple of years, I've decided to really tap into who I was, the things I experienced as a child, the things I experienced as a teenager um, and realizing how that did have an impact to where my life led and who I am today. And your transparency on that 
um, is truly amazing and inspiring. I really hope um, my listeners go and support and get a copy of this book um, because part of your book, and I'm going to disclose this part, is you kind of give us homework. And that was even more amazing. Um, I wrote an ebook about a piece of a journey of mine. And I gave some tips and stuff, but I didn't give people that much of a homework because that wasn't my intent. However, when I read someone who gives me a homework to do relevant to what their journey is, it really tells me that that writer, that person who's speaking to me through those words really wants me to follow in their journey, not just with some tips, not just with some. And listen, I'm not talking on my own ebook. I'm just saying you're intenting your purpose and that truly served its purpose with me. And I wanted to I give you that. those Thank flowers you. to you um, because I, you. the journal's right here on my sofa. After I read your book, <laughs> it was like, I need to go back to journaling one more time this week um, because I, I think I need to start writing to me, to, to who yeah. I was at age, I want to say um, something that happened to me at age 10, 11, 12 um, and talk to that person um, because yeah. certain things are relevant to how they unfolded. Um, so kudos to you. Everything off the bat, let me just announce, will be in the show notes as many links as possible. So you guys can follow Mariana and you guys can definitely go support. And again, I'm excited. So we're going to just dive right into this Thank week's you. segment and definitely going to dive into the book itself. Um, but <laughs> let me go to my notes for a raw mess of the week. So on this show, we always talk about a raw mess of the week, right? There's always something going on in the world, you know, social media, um, publicity, public figures, the celebrities. Last week, I actually tackled a little conversation with um, Marcy, the host of Comadriando podcast. Um, mm-hmm. She is an amazing, amazing um, Latina single mother as well, and just true um, advocate for community and for her child. And we talked a little bit about just the concept of single parenting. And yeah. we talked a little bit about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian and this whole debacle over their child Chicago's birthday and not being invited or how does that look? Mm-hmm. Right. And so we talked a little bit yeah. about just our stance as to, you know, always doing for our kids. Right. But Absolutely. at some point, we also have to do for ourselves. And we also have to put a little bit of boundaries, even if that means that you're not invited to your child's own. It's very birthday. important to have boundaries, Absolutely. especially in co-parenting and any parenting situation. Yes, exactly. So I wanted to explore this topic a little bit more, but in a different view. And I've talked about this gentleman several times on this show because I still can't figure him out. Uh, and recently came out, uh, by recently, I mean a couple of hours ago, I think, uh, Nick Cannon just lost a son and he is now having another child he just had a gender reveal um that he's having another child yet with someone else and several episodes ago actually had a guest on the show rc uh, from introverted intuition podcast and we definitely discussed nikani and one of the things rc said was you know he doesn't agree with this movement of you know nikani thinking that he could just have children and keep having children and keep having children because rc feels and and i do know plenty of men who do feel this way I want to be able to raise my children. I want to be able to be there for all my children and and hopefully be able to have that in one home. And I happen to know plenty of men, even at my age of 30-something years old, who don't have kids, who still are, are aiming for that and who have been cautious than to just go around just having babies left and right, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. I am really now, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little messy here um, because- Society doesn't hold back to criticize a woman who has children left and right from different partners or just a bunch of children, right? Regardless of how many partners. And it's not about just throwing shade at him. It's getting messy in the sense of, is is this man not not allowed to have an intervention of some form? Are we not allowed to say, sir, put the brakes a little bit, pump it just a little bit, like just slow down just a tad? Like A, mentally, are you really okay? You just lost a child. Like uh, we hear a lot of society saying, well, women are not the only ones who go to postpartum. Dads also need um, p- uh, fraternity mm-hmm. leave, right? So absolutely, in the essence of wellness to this man who's a dad to multiple children, is there no one that can intervene a little bit? It's not about whether you have the money to have all these kids is right. where is your time? Where's your time? To have all yes. these kids. Um, yes. Chime in a little bit, Mariana. Tell me your thoughts. Like, am I, am I wrong I think, here? Like, where you are we? know, you're not wrong. You touched it on so many points that just even in um, my co-parenting situation with my daughter's father, where, you know, he has money. 
and, um, you know, my daughter's spoiled and she has a little bit of everything, but the one thing that he can't seem to prioritize is time. So when I look at someone like Nick Cannon and who's having kids and stuff, my, the first thought I thought was, well, you were planning this, you knew that your, you know, your son was passing away and stuff. So it was like, okay, three months, you have a gen reveal or however many months that she is. It's like, you were kind of planning for a backup child, you know, and if I was the mother who lost my child, I would feel some type of way. Just, just knowing me personally going through postpartum, it's like, okay, well, my kid doesn't matter anymore. You have a replacement child. That's honestly how I would feel. And it's so sad because I agree that it's not about how much money you have to take care of all these kids. It's about how much time do you have to give to them? You know, Nick Cannon is very successful. He has, you know, his show out now he hosts a lot of shows and does a lot of things and stuff and whatever and whatnot. But are you really separating your time to give quality time to these kids? Not just time or I'm taking everyone as a bunch, but do you have individual quality time to, Hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and go out and watch a movie, Mm -hmm. you know, sit back and let's go do something. What are you doing? You know, in the household as a parent, as a single parent, myself, mother or father, the number one thing that I really love that I didn't get growing up that I'm implementing in my household, how the way I raise my child is, asking questions and allowing my kid to see when I ask questions that my reactions, you know, my receptions are very open. And, um, I really, I really think that he should spend more time, you know, with his kids asking, Hey, how's your day? What are you doing? What is new that is going on? What, what new stuff do you like? Hey, uh, this child's name, what do they like? What are their favorite colors? What sports are they in? Do you really know every single child like that? Amen you know to that part. Yes. Yeah. So like, you really know every single child. You know these women. You know that they're great mothers, or else you wouldn't have had kids with them. You know they know their child. They know that you have the money. But do you really spend quality time to get to know your child? Mm-hmm. And at some point, because you know kids grow up so fast. Me just being twenty four and having my daughter, and she's only three. I'm like, oh my goodness, I felt like I was pregnant yesterday. Where did the time go? She's already three. Right. You know, I'm. I'm just like him, he's going to look back and he's going to be like, dang, like I didn't spend enough time with my kid. Mm-hmm. Or they may be like, where were you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are you taking family pictures with every single one of these families? Lord. Are you taking individual or y'all getting together on Thanksgiving at one big house and spending like sister wives? Like, uh, I don't dishonor or don't like feel some type of way about how the way he moves in his lifestyle, with his relationships and how the way he does right. things and dabbles with women. No problem. But when it comes to a home and it comes to you parenting and being a parent, I mean, you know, we can all sit there and say, there's no right or wrong way to parenting, mm-hmm. but it, realistically there's common sense when it comes to parenting. And to me, it, it just don't make no sense how you have all these kids when you know, you don't have time for them. I'm going to, you just don't, I'm going to give another, another dose on that one. Okay. And, and another dose of messiness. Okay. Two of them. How about that? I'm gonna make it a double dose. I'm, I'm ready okay? for it. First <laughs> I'm all, ready for this. In in the good faith of Mariah, my dear Mimi, I would have been a long time ago, been like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, yeah, I, I need to keep my kids away from me at this point. And it's not to say that he's a bad father. It's just now I have to question your decisions yeah. and in your eagerness to become a father over and over and over again. Me yeah. as one of the mothers, I will question that. Here's the set. Yes, here's the too. double one. Here's the double one. Um, you were not the only one who just lost the baby. You have yes. children who are in grade school lost sibling, who lost yes. a sibling. And so they're also coping with that loss and here you go because you've made this executive decision because of whatever reason your health and listen i I empathize with him right you've decided you're going to continue having this if this gender reveal is happening that means this woman is at least four months his child just passed away like what a month and a half ago two months at most to your point you already knew there's another child coming and so how is it that you're sitting down and having these conversations with your older children? How is it that you are explaining this to them? It doesn't just happen to you. You are clearly a man who who does your best to bring all your children together. And that's great that you're trying that. I'm still going to question, like you said, do you make time for them individually? Do you know them? Do you really, really know them? Not just send me your Christmas list. Like, do you really know them? Right. But then also becomes a factor of, do you even know how to help them cope with all these changes in their life? They're, they're not even fully mourning the loss of the sibling that I know 
you have family pictures with, which means they know they had a sibling who they just lost. So now they're having to get ready to welcome another one. If a parent, most of the time, who has suffered that type of a loss, let's just face it, let's put it all the way raw here. Plenty of moms suffer miscarriages, and then they're not necessarily immediately ready to have another child right after that. Absolutely. Right? Yes, it's really traumatizing. traumatizing. It really is. So now think of it that way. There was an actual sibling, an actual child here. And now all of a sudden these kids are supposed to kind of like still mourn, still cope with that loss, but still try to find a balance and being excited to welcome another one. And yes, I am going to add to to your point and, and very well taken. I don't care if he doesn't have any other ties with that woman who also lost her child that she shared with him. I would feel some type of way that we just lost our child and suddenly here you are with another woman pregnant. And it just raises so many questions for me. A lot of red flags. So many. And another thing that needs to be questioned is what is the real, what is the real point? Are you trying to leave a legacy? Because if it is, what real legacy are you leaving by you know, abandoning that time in between every single child and then them being so close, like what really, what message? Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like if you're trying to leave a, a legacy as a father, as a male, trying to make your last name live on forever, there has to be a mission behind that. Mm-hmm. What are you trying to leave behind? And that dad was here. Dad was always present. Dad gave quality time. Dad was the man of the house. Dad took care of things. What is the message? Because the message that they see is my dad makes, you know, money. He was an actor, you know, he was a producer, he was this and that, but dad was gone all the time. I had to, you know, split time, make time for here. Cause then now you're putting the mothers and I, I kind of question like, what are these women like discussing or what are they thinking themselves? Or, you know, like you said about Mariah, like I have to question your intentions with these other women. And if I'm allowing my kid to be around these other women, because now I have so many women I have to trust with my child if they're spending time in other households or, you know, with these other women and stuff, you know, and it's, it's bad enough that we live in a world where we can't always trust everyone, but to live in a world where we have to learn that trust as a mother, as a woman, and just not feel like, oh, well, you just started me. Now you're moving on to the next woman. I can't feel better about that because I knew the situation and, you know, whatever the case may be. I just, there's a lot of red flags when, when it comes on to that, because I, I just know me and how the way I was after postpartum and how my situation is with my daughter's father. And I, even now to this day, if I felt like if a woman that, I, you know, he was involved with, if she didn't like me, if she didn't respect me, I didn't want my child around her because then I'm like, she's going to talk about, you know, me to my child, or she's not going to respect me, or she's not going to, you know, like my child and respect my child. So those are all things in red flags that definitely need to be discussed or questioned by someone close to him. Right. Right. Um, I want to bring, um, before we dive right in, I appreciate you even being transparent on that. Um, because while I have taken a lot of pride as a co-parent, um, you know, the, the, the mom where the child lives in having, and, and I've built a great relationship with his stepmother. Um, there are still often those times, right. Yeah. That are wow. definitely testing. And listen, he's 14, which I've, I've, I've surpassed a lot of those tougher times when they're younger. Um, so, so I, I totally understand and feel for people who have unique situations and listen, every story is different. Right. But, um, it, it's not to say that it stops. It's not to say that it gets any easier. It, I would love to think that or believe that. Um, no. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's as messy as I'm going to get with poor Nick and Mimi and the kids. And I'm going to be honest. I don't really know all the other baby mama's names. I'm so sorry. I don't either. There's yeah. just too many. Um, there's a new one now. I briefly saw the name and I just don't know the names. Um, but great conversation and great way to open up um, our next segment. Uh, and this is where we're really going to dive into uh, the book. So on this segment of As Raz Gets... Write your truth, okay? So, telling your story and the people who didn't like it. I just want to go right into it. I want to know, in writing the story, we're going to dive into the story itself, but in writing this story, in your transparency, for one, did you change any names? Oh, yes, yes. I changed my daughter's father's name. 
I changed my current boyfriend's name in the book. And then I changed my own biological father's name because he's the type to come back and sue me. Okay. So this is why we ask these questions, right? I want to make sure um, that we, we just put this out there Um, again, because I am one that I speak a lot here. And so I never like to incriminate anyone. So I don't say people's names. Um, At most, I give one person a nickname. And this is definitely something that as an, a writer also, uh, but for anyone mm-hmm. who's aspiring to write your own story, please keep this in mind. This is very important unless you're going to have people sign documents, which if you're going to speak your truth, truth, probably people won't want to sign papers. Just, yeah, yeah. just make up a name and change yes, the characteristic exactly. a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's just throw that out there. Okay. So the people who didn't like this or who knew you were on this journey and didn't like the idea, did you experience that from anybody at all whatsoever? You know what? I feel like when I told everyone that I was going to write a book, I feel like it's one of those things like, oh yeah, okay. You know, cause like, it's like, well, who do I know that's written a book? Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like a lot of people just didn't believe it. And I feel like a lot of people that do read the book or buy the book are going to be more so no- nosy to see well, did she mention me? Because I was a little mean to her Mm. or, you know, we had some beef and stuff like that. So, you know, when writing or being, becoming a writer, you always have that cliffhanger leaving your audience there, you know, for people who want to be nosy because they want to see what you write about. So um, I would say the only person that I feel like won't like the context or could self-incriminate themselves would be my father. Um, Yeah. But other than that, no, no one, um, no one knows, you know, no one else doesn't, you know, not like the idea about me writing. Amazing. They're actually really excited. So this, this is, it's a really fun chapter for me. Amazing. All right. I want to dive a little deeper. Um, okay. And in this question, I'll tell you why this question is coming up. Uh, does mm-hmm. the truth truly hurt? But I'm asking the question for you, like writing it, actually writing your experience, yes. like how, how did that hurt um, happened oh for you and how did you get through it? You know what? I, a lot of the nights that I spent writing, I cried, you know, cause I, you know, you're, you're writing and I had to get in a mode where I was, I had to relive these moments, you know, and I mentioned in my book because I wasn't only a victim, I was the villain too. And, um, so I had to relive these moments and realize that I was the victim mm-hmm. in a lot of these situations. And by reliving those, you have, you know, that self-doubt or, uh, you know, well, man, is this really going to come across good? Or is it going to come across bad? Mm -hmm. And it was this, it was just really sad reliving the moments where I realized that, well, this was wrong. And was I really in love and could this hurt this person? Because the last thing I want to do is tell my truth and hurt somebody that I know. But at the same time, it's like, I have to heal in my own way. And by writing this book, it helped me heal so much. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was really hurtful going back and just reliving the whole situation in time when, um, with my daughter's father and, you know, just reliving how the way he treated me. And then in my, in chapter three, when I talk about my parenting chapter and stuff and, you know, everything for me starts, like you said, as a young kid and in the home. So you have to really step back and go into, you know, deepness as a child and be like, this is how I was raised. This is what I was taught. This is what, it, you know, ha- has changed me and adapted me over time. And, and stuff into the adult that I am today. So it was just, it was really eye opening, mm-hmm. really realizing, you know, the situations when I was a kid that really reflected my writing mm-hmm. now today in situations. I want to dive into that one, that, that, yeah. that story of you as a child, um, mm-hmm. because so just to give a little background, um, if you would like to share with my audience, um, what your background is as far as your heritage goes. Yes. Um, I'm an Afro Latina. So my mom is black and my dad's Mexican. Okay. Yeah. So there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. Um, on this show, I am Ecuadorian, um, born and raised, you know, here, but I always say I'm Ecuadorian. Right. And, um, you know, being the experience that you noted, um, I know what experience I grew up with here. Right. Realizing that a lot of things that were so common, um, in, my very Ecuadorian Latino culture, and I'm not going to shame anybody. It has taken a lot to be able to re-educate them on a lot of things. Um, but realizing that a lot of things that seem so normal in the motherland that they, when they immigrated over here, they brought it over here and it just seemed so normal, certain verbiage use, certain words, certain vocabulary, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and realizing that there's more to the root of that 
when it comes to our own countries, our own Latino countries, right? Um, you know, the, the racism that has existed, um, just amongst our own, our own little buckets of culture. And then amongst the culture itself, the heritage itself, um, you know, the colorism thing, things like that. Right. Um, to then come to this country. Right. And then they, my parents have children here. And so we're now exposed to public schooling and we're seeing, people of all colors, people of all kinds, of all backgrounds, of all cultures. And we're starting to realize, oh, the teacher said we're not supposed to say this. Oh, that's not the right way to say that. Oh, that's not a good word. But, you know, I heard this over there, like, and and we're clicking two and two together. One of the things that really outstood to me, and I said to myself, I think I've been in those situations. Can't pinpoint if it was with my own family or with the families of neighbors, right? But, you know, when you said you realized what your Mexican side of the family was speaking of and how they were referencing about your mother, who's a black woman, that Mm -hmm. was all the way raw and such a truthful moment. And I'm sure it was hurtful for you to relive that. But absolutely. It was just like hitting it right on target. Like you, you nailed it right in that moment because it is part of your childhood it's something that you lived. It's something that impacts you. And it's something that we should not just keep silent about it. We should be able to talk about these things and be able to re-educate our elders and say, hey, I know that maybe you've said that word in a form of endearment, but that's not really the right thing to say. Like, you just should not. Like, we're in different times and it's wrong. Um how was that piece, that part of having to tell that part of the story for you? It was really hard because I think that was the most pivotal moment in my entire life, because as a child hearing, you know, one side of your family, you know, down, you know, downplaying or degrading, you know, half of who you are, you know, is, is really hard because at that point I had to make a decision. I love my mom. I love who I am in general. Now I have to step back, not like these people or feel some type of way because they don't truly love me for who I am and what I am, you know, Afro-Latina, you know, and it, it was just really hard because I was just, I knew I was never enough. And that's the last thing you want a kid to feel like they're not enough, you know, that who they are isn't who they're supposed to be. And then you just leave them with a whole bunch of question marks because that right there really set the path and the tone of the separation of my father, me and my father's relationship, the separation of my relationship with that family, cousins, um, you know what I mean? And, you know, you're so close with cousins Mm -hmm. and, you know, kids and the family. So when you start separating them and adults start acting crazy and people get pulled along, the child always suffers. And that's what people seem to forget that the child always suffers at the end of the day, regardless of its parents, families, cousins, sisters, whatever, Mm -hmm. the child always suffers. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was suffering. It was hurtful even to go back and, you know, tell my mom and let her know because she already knew it and she didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as a kid being put in the middle between two parents, it's like, well, who are you going to go with if we break up or who do you like more or who does more for you mm-hmm. and who love, who shows you that they love you more? Cause my mom was the disciplinary, just like I am for my daughter and stuff. So it's like, well, you know, mom did spank me. So I guess that makes her mean, right. You know, like little things like that and stuff. And, you know, my mom, she didn't want to go around the family. So, and now I understood why at that point I understood why, but it was always one of those things where it's like, well, you're not fun. You don't want to go anywhere, do anything. Mm -hmm. Well, now I see why. So that was really a key pivotal moment because it changed relationships for me. Mm -hmm. It changed many relationships and how the way Um, I was taken care of and raised after that, you know, my dad didn't care to have a relationship with me. He saw me as my mom. Mm -hmm. And therefore, because he didn't like my mom, he was incapable of loving me as well. Even though I grew up in a two parent household and we were there, we were, you know, he was physically there. Me and my mom shared a room. Mm -hmm. Me and my mom shared a room from the time I was in sixth grade all the way up until 12th grade when I graduated high school. And then we finally moved out of the house. I went to college and then she finally got on her own two feet and got her own apartment. Mm -hmm. But me and my mom, I shared a room with my mom. Like she was my sister for the longest time because we didn't really care, have nothing to do with my dad. We were just stuck in a situation where we had to be there. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's crazy to me to hear that, but it's also not um, so weird. Even though I didn't experience that growing up like with my parents, right? Um. I will say there were things that I noticed just with my friends, you know, the whole sharing of the rooms, you know, or the fact that parents were not 
sleeping in the same room. Um, oh, I've seen that a lot growing up, especially with my grandparents. And it's weird to me. So that, and that's yeah. why probably why I want like public display of affection. You know what I mean? Yeah. So much for my partner, because I didn't see that with my parents, with my grandparents or nothing. Yeah. So a lot of how the way I was raised when I was younger and how the way I want love, how the way I want to experience it, receive it and give it mm-hmm. is totally different for, and taboo from how the way I seen it, you know, growing up. And when it came to friends too, you touched on a point that made me realize as well. I had a hard time when I was little having relationships with a lot of Latina friends mm. because of the fact that when I came around, all they saw was I was black. They mm. didn't like, they knew I was mixed, but they saw that I was black. Mm. So they were like, well, do you know Spanish? I was like, oh, yeah, I understand a little bit, you know, I know enough, but you know, not enough to hold a conversation. I understood, but I can't hold a conversation with you because a lot of my Mexican friends didn't not, you know, their parents didn't speak English mm-hmm, all the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was another, you know, hard relationship for me and stuff like that. So yeah, absolutely. Thank you for even like um, being transparent on that because I think that's definitely mm-hmm. something again that happens so often and and, and a lot of the time it still is happening I know we're in different oh. times but it still is happening with a lot of um cultures having differences and and our old school folks not really mm-hmm. being open-minded to these things or not yeah. being or not being understanding to what was the norm it's just not normal and somebody should have taught you a long time ago that this is not okay like i i get it Mm -hmm. i get why this seemed normal to you i get why you thought this was okay i get why where this comes from you've explained it to me over and over again time and time again cool i'm glad there's an understanding of that but now i need you to understand that this means this that this Mm -hmm. implies this and so by you saying these things this is really what you're saying. And you may offend someone. You may disrespect someone if you go around saying these things or doing these things. And again, this is a platform where if we're not keeping it raw, then it does not serve its purpose here, right? So Absolutely. I am, I'm going to keep it a thousand percent um, honest here. And I can only reference to my family, but rest assured, there are plenty of families have been raised around that I've seen it happen time and time again. I've seen the Absolutely. whole, you know, in my culture, if you're not light skin like this you're very indigenous mm-hmm. or you are you're, you're very b- black right because you're from yeah. so um like your afro latinos we have that as well in ecuador right or we have your very yeah. indigenous indigenous folks right um or otherwise you're very very light skin right you're white passing mm-hmm. or, or however other terms you want to call it right and just in that culture alone of me growing up and understanding certain things or even the times that i visited the motherland you understand certain things as to why certain um degrading terms are constantly being said to a certain group of people or why when there's an argument certain words are being spewed um from one person to another and it's very disturbing and, it, and it's very um inconsiderate to just humanity in itself um and i think that's where um it touched me so much to hear you be so vulnerable on straight off the bat you opened up with that let me just tell you that's like a great way to hit a home run because it's like no let's just get to the bottom of it all let's tap all the way in and for you to be able to do that um it really put everything else into perspective as to the the way the rest of your life had unfolded and everything else that you shared this show is sponsored by queens infusions a mompreneur owned brand that creates terpenes and cbd infused wellness products Woman-owned, mompreneur, small business-owned, Queens Infusions wellness products are homemade in small batches from locally sourced ingredients, and they are my absolute favorite. To mellow out, to chill, to enjoy the scent, the taste, ooh, you name it. You don't want to miss this. Go to the show notes, go to Queens Infusions Etsy shop, and at checkout, use DDRT code for 20% off, courtesy of Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcasts. Um, one more question in the as raw as it gets, um, because you touched yeah, on absolutely. a lot of things. Um, how come, um, and this may sound maybe ridiculous to some people to ask, but it's not, I always like to know the why, how come this was dedicated to your daughter? You know what? This was dedicated to my daughter because I was just like, I don't know how life is going to be five years, 10 years from now and stuff. I just, I always have these scared things, you know, thinking like, 
Am I going to be a good mom? Am I going to be successful? And she's going to look up to me, you know, um, is she going to love her dad more? You know, when she gets to a certain age, is she going to want to move and live with her dad and just wanting her, you know, my story of just like wanting her so much and having a hard time trying to conceive her. And then when her, you know, me and her dad were calling it quits, she magically appeared and stuff. And at that time I was being very selfish and I was like, no, I'm not having an abortion. I'm going to keep it regardless of how our relationship is. I wanted to dedicate something to her because I felt like me writing this book was so true, so real. And the letters were, it was for a younger me to heal me, but it's really for the younger version or the younger self of her. And as she grows older and as she goes through things, I want her to be able to reflect back or take something from it and just be like, my mom went through that. How does she handle that? You know what I mean? You know, life isn't promised to everyone, you know, the next day, you know, we just have to wake up every single day happy if we're here Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so I always wanted to make sure that I left her something of me that was just so true, so real, just so much love and heart put into it and something that I actually was able to accomplish. And I feel very successful. And because, you know, we always need something checked off to feel accomplished. Mm -hmm. And this book was definitely something regardless if, I make six figures, don't make six figures, have a college degree, don't have a college degree, whatever the case may be. I did this. It was real. It was everything that I gave it. And that alone makes it successful. And I wanted to give her that. Absolutely. Oh, a whole word on that. (laughs) It is a whole word. I I don't, I don't, I don't know if people truly get it. I don't know if people truly get it. And this is why I wanted (laughs) you to speak on that piece because I know my whys, right? And, and yeah. I have a, I have him, you know, as my little broke best friend living in this house. And he's he's part <laughs> of the why, but he's also, you know, he creates all the whys as to what I do for him. Right. And, and I don't yes. and, and it's not to say anybody who doesn't have a kid is missing the point. No, absolutely not. That's Mm-mm. not what it means. It's just I don't know if people truly understand why for some of us who are in the position of having a child and when we say I want to leave this piece of me for him or for her um there is truly a reason why there is a whole story um I want to go into the double or nothing oversharing shame or not uh I want to talk about this because this is definitely a topic that has come up on my platform um I've talked about it on on little joking moments of when I thought I was going to start my OnlyFans but my 14 year old wouldn't like that um (laughs) (laughs) or just in general just like how I've managed to produce a show and speak on my life and speak so freely on different experiences and different things about me right um sometimes speaking on his dad I mean a long time ago I said you know I would love to bring his dad on the show and I had every intent to do so and then things went left and then I said I can't bring him on because I am going to spaz out because we had a really tough moment Mm -hmm. these past few months yeah so I I realize like in some cases mm, maybe I can't overshare on that but in some things it's is it really something to be ashamed of to overshare or is it just truly me telling my truth speaking truthfully as to who I am and what I do and what I'm about um one of the reasons why I created this platform was so I don't feel silenced because for for quite some a good amount of years in recent years in different aspects of my life, I felt silent. Um, I felt like I was being silenced. And still to this day, whether it's in jokes or laughing matters or what have you, ever so often I encounter folks who will make it feel like you're not supposed to have a voice or nobody gives a shit or nobody cares, right? And I strongly feel that you as a human being and the person leading your own life, you're managing it, you're living it, you're experiencing it. You are entitled to decide what you share and what you don't. Right. Mm -hmm. When it comes to being a writer and writing about your story, how was that experience and your decision in what you would fully disclose and what not to? You know, it was really hard because, you know, I, especially in my love chapter, you know, right after the introduction, Mm -hmm. it was so hard because it was like, I wanted to make sure I gave a book that was, that resonated with everyone. You know what I mean? Regardless if you were in love, were not in love, had a kid, didn't have the kid, are successful, not successful. If you believe in some type of spiritual Mm -hmm. thing or not, I wanted my book from cover to cover to resonate with anyone, regardless if you read it cover to cover or jump to a chapter. Mm -hmm. It was really hard for me to figure out what really 
mattered, you know, not only to give to other people, but what really mattered for that childhood me, what really showed my growth over time. And so um, I wanted to, I just, I was like, you know what, if I'm going to write it and I'm going to be real and I'm going to tell my story, I just need to tell it all Mm -hmm. just at the end of the day, because it's, it's me who needs healing. It's my story, my perspective, my point of view. And so, you know what, I'm going to give it my way and I'm going to give it my all. So I didn't leave anything out of my book. Absolutely. You just actually answered the following question that I had um, because it was it was that part of it, um, the privacy issue um, Mm -hmm. or the issue of when you're telling your side of the story. um, How does that look like for the other side? Because I do believe that when we're telling our side of the story and we're involving that other person, even when we change the name, we're kind of saying that side too, whether it's from their perspective or mine, I'm talking about my perspective and, and what, and what <laughs> I saw. So yeah, you may have had a different perspective, but this is what I lived. And this, this is, is my story. This is my story. <laughs> yes. like, we go yes. back, back and forth here, but this, this is how it was for me. Right. Yes. Um, one more thing I, I want to hit off on this, um, not just only because you mentioned that you visited Ecuador, but also your experience yes. that that was for you. Um, so holistic oh and such a beautiful journey that that was. Um, it brought me back to, I don't know if you ever read this book or saw the movie Eat, Pray, Love, when she goes through yeah. her the whole love situation that she just goes away. Right. And yes. she's, she's going on this, like, I don't even, it's, it's a whole bl- full blown journey of just going to a completely different place, just being with nature, being with a different group of people, just really being with herself, changing your whole life. It's like having a whole new slate. The, it's beautiful. Everything just like, I feel like everyone should do it at least once. So like, I hope, <laughs> I hope to someday be able to do that. I've actually thought to myself, like, how would it look like for me to take a leave of absence from work? Maybe just like a month. Let me just go for like a month. If I have to use my PTO, I'll do two weeks straight. But let me just go for like a whole month. And I've actually said, like, I would love to go experience other parts of my motherland because I just know just how beautiful nature is over there and how simplistic life is for those people, um, our very indigenous people. But your purpose in doing so. Um, what was that purpose when you went to take that trip? And do you feel that you accomplished um, what your goal was when you did that for yourself? So when I went to Ecuador, it was actually um, really emotional and really hard for me. So the opportunity came up, my godmother just asked me to go for, you know, her health reasons. And I was like, yeah, sure. So when I just YouTube and Googled everything in Ecuador, because I did ayahuasca down there, mm-hmm. um, it, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm a person who's barely done an edible, damn it. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot for me. I was like, I don't want to be tripping and seeing aliens like other people. Like I was very, very scared. And just the thought of going to a whole nother country is just like, oh my gosh. Like, so I took the opportunity. It was, it was like, yes, I'm going to go. So I went, it was so beautiful. And it was so amazing. And I just, there's words I can't describe how beautiful Ecuador is. It's so underplayed. We, so I went to Ecuador, I went to Cuenca, we were on the mountains. They were just, they were eight, elevation was 8,000 feet. Like I saw the clouds. That's how crazy it was. And everything was very outside. So, you know, we, um, composted everything. Um, you know, we, electricity, you know, was really strict for how long it had to be on and everything. So going out there, seeing and meeting all these different people that I still talk to, to this day, I mean, there was doctors, there was producers, I mean, different people from different parts of the world to come together and all have the same mission of healing and health and what that looks like. I had to be on a strict diet for two weeks. So everything was Mm -hmm. gluten-free, just very, very strict and uh, vegan So I went there, we did the ayahuasca. It was such an emotional Mm eye-opening experience. I feel like everyone should do ayahuasca once or twice. I definitely feel like I need to do it again. I don't feel like when I did my first uh, ceremony, it was so amazing that I I felt a part of the earth. Like I, I just felt like it was just words can't even describe what happened to me, but I saw, and I felt the transformation and going into second ceremony, the same thing. But when I did my third ceremony, it was really hard for me. I think I feel like the third ceremony for me was the hardest just because of the fact that at that point I was physically, mentally, and emotionally drained. And then when we all got together in group to share our stories, excuse me, other people were like, 
you know, sharing their stories. And it was, was my story good enough? Was my story strong enough? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my experience, you know, cause you saw people, you know, having good experience, some people having bad experiences. And it was like, was my experience lived up to par? Mm-hmm. Did I seriously go deep enough to experience everything that I needed to experience? So being out there for a week, I didn't accomplish everything that I wanted to. I definitely want to go back. I definitely feel like Mother Iowa has more for me. She has more in store for me, Mm -hmm. but she did tell me to write as many books as I can. And she did tell me that this book would be successful. And it was really important for me to make sure I included that in my book Mm -hmm. because that's where I got my most spiritual healing from. That's where I got my most transformation from Mm -hmm. after healing. Mm -hmm. And when I was out there, I was writing this book and I was just like, you know what? Like, I feel so much better just talking to these people, having this opportunity, having this experience, be able to breathe air, listen to nature, you know, here is just, there's just so many distractions here. Mm -hmm. So it was beautiful, beautiful. Your your home is beautiful. (laughs) I would love to go back. And I definitely, I always say like, I I want to explore more areas there. Cause um, I actually know where Cuenca is. It's not too far from Ambato. I'm from Ambato. So um, uh, I am very familiar with the surroundings, but there's definitely a lot more for me to go and explore and continue to explore. Um, But what I really wanted to touch base on, and and again, those details were just so beautiful. I like, like when you explained what that was like, I was like, oh, my God, I could like smell the mountains already. For a fact, people don't believe me when I say, oh, no, like the you breathe differently over there. As soon as you. Oh, land, my gosh, girl, people don't believe me. <laughs> like you do. You're like literally go to the middle of the world. You will breathe different. Like I came home, girl, ready to run a marathon. Okay? Yes. Like, <laughs> like, I feel like it's I serious. Go. Yes. Um, but I, what I do want to be able to emphasize on this is, you know, people take for granted the concept of, hey, I'm going on vacation, right? I'm going to go to this mm-hmm. Caribbean island or I'm going to, you know, this place for a wedding and it's a destination wedding. Don't take for granted what Mother Nature gives you. Don't take for oh, granted, like, if all. there's an excursion, let's say, where you're able to go into a rainforest, where you're able to go into mother nature do it and like really take in what take pictures draw reflect journal everything say what you go through all your senses and literally write down or tell yourself what you see what you feel what you smell yes I mean, I don't recommend tasting anything in the rainforest if you don't know what it is. I mean, but <laughs> my motto in life is don't knock it till you try it. So I okay. mean, <laughs> might as well. Um, but yeah. there's a reason why I'm saying that. And I think it's because when you truly take out all the noise of our daily life and you pay mm-hmm. attention to the wind, you pay attention to water, you pay attention to leaves, you pay attention to things like that. You are truly paying attention to the sound of your breathing and the sound of your heartbeat. I went to Jamaica when um, the pandemic was starting to like, you know, we were starting to reopen and it was the first trip. Like, you know, we just stopped working from home. Mm -hmm. We're getting back into the office. Everybody's messed up and whatever. And I jumped off of Rick's Cafe cliff and I totally jumped the wrong way because I ended up with a massive bruise on my leg massive bruise and it hurt for a very long time and people would say I was still wearing shorts but still summer people would see the bruise and they're like what happened and I'm over here smiling and I'm like I jumped off a cliff in Jamaica right and they're like <laughs> but my god that bruise is like, I'm like oh well you know I jumped wrong I didn't jump with my leg straight but what stays with me from doing that what stays with me courage it was the courage it was getting over a certain level of fear it was releasing releasing everything out of my entire body my soul my mind forgetting for one second any concern in the world and just living in that moment just jumping into waves waves off of a cliff and just like being so liberated and I remember as I was going to jump in, I just looked up and I just said, God, just help me swim back up. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's all I said. Just help me swim back up because I want to feel this rush. I want to feel like I'm letting everything go on this trip because that past seven months have been so traumatizing. I worked in healthcare. Um, We had yeah. lost so many family members. We had known so many people that had passed away. And there was more than that. There was so much deeper in that because of the pandemic I was no longer dealing with I was just so focused on the pandemic kind of suppressed certain things and absolutely on that trip because there was not much to do due to the restrictions 
there was more me time in the ocean. There was more me time laying, you know, to tan, but really like listening to the wind, you know, really breathing, really relaxing, knowing what it's like to not be at, at a, you know, at a group party by the pool, at the bar, taking shots. It was actually me enjoying with nature, you know, and, 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 and it was being with nature and being with myself. And Mm -hmm. I say that to say, whether you do take a moment to step away from your regular life, whether it looks like a week, two weeks, a month, whatever, what have you, sometimes little things like that. Sometimes that time away just for yourself with yourself really helps you with evolving we know we're constantly evolving we know we're constantly growing every single day there's a new experience and it makes you a different person by the time it's the next day but what happens when we really take that time away to love on ourselves and vacation with ourselves and be with ourselves is that we're truly connecting with ourselves we truly are paying attention to me like when does daisy pay attention to daisy when does mariana pay attention to mariana you know like we have such a busy world we're doing so much we are we're so distracted we're mothers you know there's just there's just so much there um and so it's all part of you know this concept of wellness that should really be taken seriously sure there is you know your nutrients and there's weight and there's a whole bunch of other stuff in wellness right but, but there's that piece of the spiritual side um, that, like you said, whether we believe in a God or not, but do you believe in you? Do you believe in what's yes. deep inside you? Because it's really- You have to have faith in yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I definitely wanted to shine light on that um, in the double or nothing, because um, I know for some people it's like, you know, it's oversharing, you know, that doesn't quite fit for some people. You never know. You never know who yes. someone might not even look at that as a as a sense of do they even need it until they read about it, until they hear about it, until they hear Absolutely. about something and they're like, well, wait a minute, this worked for her. What is this? Let me go look into this. Let me let me go see. If maybe this is something I need. Maybe this is something I could use for me. Maybe I'm in this pivotal moment in my life where I need this extra push to just go really be with myself and really yeah. heal. And so I what I found to be with your book, and we could definitely close this segment out with this, is um Your book in itself, it really is a reflection, not just of your life, but of the lives of many people um, within your age group Um, that, you know, I always say I was 20 something years old. I was married, single mother, graduated college, divorced, probably all in one year. It all happens all in one year. And it was both one of the happiest times of my life, yet one of the saddest moments of my life. It was a moment where I hit rock bottom and I had to come out of that. Um, And that's where I was inspired to write a little bit of that ebook that I have, my journal to self-love. And so when I read your book um, and your, again, your transparency, but most importantly, the rawness of it, um, I don't know if people understand how easy it is to be 20 something years old and be so quiet about our truth. Um, because you're afraid of what people are going to say. You're afraid of being scrutinized even further. And the bravery that you have and the courage that you have to be at your young age. And I love, I listen, I'm 36, but I love being inspired by a younger group of people. I absolutely do. Um, because it goes to show for me, I have a 14 year old. I need my 14 year old to have a 30 something year old to look up to. I need my 14 year old to have that mid generation to look up to if he can't look up to me for X, Y, and Z reasons, probably because I'm his mama, but I, I need that. I need that in this world. And so for you to be able to lay it all out there at your very young age and still have had so much experience, it just goes to show that so many of our younger generation, our mid-age generation are still silenced and they do not have that voice or they do not have the right pen or maybe even the right keyboard to really tell their story. And I wanted to bring you on this show because, again, your story is amazing. I am encouraging my listeners to please go support and purchase this book. Um, but also, I do feel like your voice needs to be heard. I felt your voice in that story, in your book, but I wanted your voice to be heard a little bit more um, and, and in telling your story and the way that you did it. 
Um, and so we're going to go into the overdose now. This is our last segment okay. of the show. And in the overdose, this is where, you know, we're closing out. And so we take this opportunity to talk about a quick rant on something we're completely over. It could be absolutely anything in your life, in society's life, in the world. Or you could talk about something that you are completely overjoyed with. So you can go first or I can go first. You let me know. Um, I'll go first. I'm really overjoyed. Just like you said, just with having the opportunity of having, you know, my voice heard and my book read. And um, I'll also share, you know, something that I'm really sick of, which is, you know, in the minority household, mainly um, for black and Mexicans, mental health, not being something that needs to be discussed and being told always what happens in this house stays in this house. I feel like nobody wants to have the hard conversations, even just within the household. And like I said, it starts in the household. So by telling them what happens in here, stays in here, makes them feel like they don't have that voice to be able to reach out, branch out, network, ask for help and ask those questions for other people that they may need it from. Mm. Thank you for that. That is amazing. (laughs) I'm actually going to say what I'm overjoyed with, but I do want to add to that because I will say this. I actually happened to have told my son not too long ago that he didn't need to be sharing the conversations he and I have with my siblings because I don't need them all up in my business. Um, But I actually said that because, and I told my son this, you are actually very lucky that because of the way I grew up where we don't talk about things and, you know, we stay silent or, you know, that's your dad or that's Mm -hmm. your mom, no matter what, or, you know, nobody apologizes to the children. Like they don't have to be Mm -hmm. sorry. I always tell them you're very lucky because you don't get that from me. You never did. That's one of the promises I made with you. You didn't even know it. You were an infant, but I promised that where I needed to say, I'm sorry. I would say, I'm sorry. I promised that I would never lie to you. And so I expected for you to never lie to me. I promised that I would be the person who, will always say I love you because I don't doubt for one second my father loves me, but I can count probably on one hand in my 36 years of life how many times my father has told me he loves me. He has showed it, but he doesn't say it. And it goes all the way back to those generations, right? Because, you know, we just don't say I love you. Like, why do I need to? I clothe you. I I feed you. I provide a roof. I show you that I love you. You don't need to hear it. Right. That's more than enough love. Mm -hmm. You know, I made those promises with my son. And so where he is today, he knows he and I have the difficult conversations. He knows we talk about those things and so I told them I said you don't need to share our conversations with my siblings because our conversations is ours like that's Mm -hmm. sacred between me and you if you feel that I'm not understanding you you are supposed to be able to say mom you're not understanding me I need to talk to you you're not hearing me out and it is my job as your mother to not do what my parents did but to sit here and be able to listen to you and understand where you're coming from but with that being said though there are still a lot of households who do still practice this whole thing of no like you're just like not supposed to or I'll even give you another dose on that um my mom always grew up saying she didn't have time to be depressed or she didn't have time to be tired Mm. and so that's also a stigma from a mental health standpoint I do hope our society um and our Latino cultures or all sorts of these cultures that I know are tuning in right now, please break away from that. Please talk and normalize these things. This is not okay. I see now so many adults, our age, my age group, your age group, they don't talk about things. They keep it so silenced as well with themselves because that's how they grew up believing that they're just not supposed to. And that is not healthy at all. Um, so yeah. thank you for bringing that to light. Um, Absolutely. Once again, guys, you definitely have to get that book. I will share just one moment of overjoy. I did not, I did put this on my social media, but I definitely wanted to announce it to the listeners. Um, one of the things um, that I definitely wanted to commit to in these last two years and changes of my life has been to overcome certain fears that I have. I am a very proud, confident woman, but that doesn't mean I don't have some fears. And so one of those fears was, and I definitely realized that it was fear and I was purposely procrastinating, was me getting my license. And so I finally got my license. I finally passed my little road test. And so here I am just ready now to overcome this fear of driving. And there's a reason to that fear. It was an experience from many, many years ago when I was practicing how to drive. I did not have the best teacher at the moment and I got very, very nervous and I panicked and I was pregnant. And so I totally just like 
exited out that card and said, no, I'm not doing this. God forbid something happens to me. God forbid something happens to my kid. Um, and to add to that, I had experienced a lot of people that I had known during a certain amount of time um, pass away from car accidents. So a lot mm -hmm. of buildup happened to me with the whole concept of driving. Um, but I wanted to commit and commit this past year to getting over that fear and really putting myself and dedicate myself to get that license because of other goals that I have put in place of other changes that I want to do for myself. And so I wanted to share that, um, on an overjoy and just say to give yourself grace and time and space to build yourself that courage. It doesn't make you any less confident. It doesn't mean you're less of a person. Just sometimes you just need a little bit of more time, but you need to still always be your own cheerleader and your own hype man. You really need to believe Absolutely. in yourself to be able to just do something as small as just getting behind a wheel and learning how to drive. Um, Amen. <laughs> you know, like, cause it's not always the easiest thing for people to no. do. And, um, I didn't realize that it was an actual fear that I had and I'm actually over it. So I wanted to share that and and, you That's know, awesome. yeah, congratulations thank you. and close this out. And once again, I will be sharing Mariana's um, social media tags on the show notes. Um, we will be reposting her great. So this episode, by the time it launches in two days, you guys will have um, the ability to go follow her, go to her links and purchase the book. Please support. Um, you guys already know as myself being a Latina podcaster, Latina single mother, you know, having the career, pushing forward with the show. Um, we are here to support our fellow Latinas as well, Afro Latinas and so on. And all my women of all sorts of cultures um but one thing's for sure we want to see everybody win so congratulations to you mariana i'm so excited for you i cannot you wait so for much. this um book to go and say oh do you want to tell my listeners where they can follow you yes go ahead and follow me um on my uh, my website actually at www.authormarianagarola.com amazing i will make sure to put that in the show notes and thank you again for coming on the show and as always guys this has been another week and another episode on double dose of our talk podcast i am your host misty and you guys will tune in next week bye don't forget to follow us on instagram and twitter and we are live on your favorite podcast streaming platform make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe rate and review talk to you later bye